Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. your attention to two passages of scripture uh, that we're going to launch with uh, tonight and it's in the book of Hebrews chapter 7 Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 19 and then Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 amen we're in our third study our third lesson on hope in the hurt finding hope in your hurt And so tonight, our topic is a better hope. Somebody say, I have a better hope. I have a better hope. Amen. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh unto God, the bringing in of a better hope. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, Romans 15 and 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our voices right here in this time. Give God praise. Thank Him for His Word. Thank Him for what He does, Lord. We praise You, God, for how You minister to us and You speak to us through the Word today. God, we are claiming a better hope tonight. In Jesus, we ask, God, that You would help us in this study. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I have a better hope And then you can be seated. There is a hope that's hollow. It's empty. It's hype more than anything. It's a type of hope that is thrown around in casual conversation. Um, I heard it today. At the grocery, not the grocery store, at the gas station, when a guy bought a lottery ticket, he said, I hope I win. I hope I win. <laughs> well, the first way you can win is don't give your money away. <laughs> that You'd be a winner. I mean, he laid down 30 bucks right there. Boom. You know what? Uh, you keep that 30 bucks and you'll be a winner. <laughs> you'll be a winner. Uh, According to an article in cbsnews.com, the average American spends $207 annually on lottery tickets. If you go up the East Coast, the stakes are even higher because of Mega Millions and Powerballs, whatever that is. And according to a study by uh, one university, the average Massachusetts resident spends a whopping $735 annually on lottery tickets. That's an average, okay? Rhode Island, $514. Delaware or New York, it's it's about $400. Uh, So it's about $33 uh, 
a month. Um, the only trouble with investing that kind of money in the lottery tickets is that the odds are not in your favor. They're saying this, okay? I want to say it doesn't take a lawyer to understand that. Indeed, they tell us that you are 300 times more likely to get struck by lightning in any given year than win a multi-million dollar jackpot. 300 times more likely to get struck by lightning. And so people say, man, I hope I get that job. Or I hope this works out. This kind of hope is based not upon the Bible kind of hope. There's a different kind of hope. It's based on wishful thinking. I hope this happens. I hope this happens. There's a couple places in the Bible where that kind of thinking is, is demonstrated. Like in Luke chapter 23 and verse 8, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him for a long season. I wanted to see this Jesus. Because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. I hope to see Jesus perform a miracle. I hope that he will. Well, he didn't. didn't happen to him. Acts chapter 24, we find the same situation when the apostle Paul is, is before Felix the governor and we find that in Acts chapter 24 and verse 25, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a more convenient season, I will call for thee. Verse 26 says, For he hoped also that money should be given him of Paul. <laughs> Paul could have said probably like Peter, Silver and gold have I none. <laughs> But such as I have gave I thee. So neither Herod nor Felix got what they hoped for. That's the kind of hope that's so hollow. People hope for all kinds of things. They hope that things will improve. They hope for happiness and contentment. Culture promises us fame, promises us fortune and possessions, that these things will usher in all kinds of peace and hope. If I could just have that, I will, I will be, you know, I will I hope I get that and then I'll be better. There's a lot of hopelessness today in the culture of what is known as millennials. Millennials. They battle hopelessness very, uh, uh, very, sadly, they battle so much hopelessness. There is even a subculture group that I've learned about. It's called the culture of saying, S-A-N-G, the culture of saying. And their model is this, I don't want to lean in, I just want to lie down. I don't want to lean in. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be a part of society. I just want to lay down. The thing of it is, you can find pictures of them where these, these millennials are just taking naps in all kinds of places. Saying is a Chinese term that loosely translates to feeling of hopelessness or despair, being dispirited. It is a kind of an ironic defeatism. It's fueled by pop culture internet celebrities and social media platforms. And so despair grips these people so deeply that they just want to lie down. Just, just let me lay down. It's, it's a restlessness that is rooted in an aimless society 
that we have created for ourselves where there's very little stability. And so when the storms of life come, they don't have anything to hope for. Perhaps one of the saddest statements of, of hopelessness is found uh, by, made by the atheist uh, uh, Nitsky that said he made a sad and foolish declaration when he said, Hope is the worst of evils, for it prolongs the torment of man. When you don't have hope, that's where your idea comes from. Jeremiah said it, it like this. They said there is no hope, Jeremiah 18 and 12. They said there is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices and we will everyone do the imagination of his evil heart. When you don't have hope, then you just search for everything that you possibly can looking for an answer. It's kind of like the old story about a man. I've shared this with you before, but let me share it with you again. A man fell into a pit and couldn't get himself out of it. So a subjective person came and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, well, it's logical that somebody would fall down in that pit. The Christian scientist said, you only think you're in the pit. The Pharisee said, only bad people fall into pits. A mathematician said and calculated how he fell into that, fit, that pit. The news reporter wanted an exclusive story on his pit. The fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. The Calvinist said, if you've been saved, you've never fallen into that pit. The Wesleyan said, you are saved and still fell into your pit. The charismatic said, confess that you're not in the pit and you won't be in the pit. The realist came and said, now that's a pit. <laughs> the geologist told him to appreciate the rock strata of his pit. The IRS asked him if he's paying taxes on his pit. The county inspector asked if he had a permit to dig that pit. The evasive agnostic came along and avoided the subject altogether. The self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. <laughs> the optimist said, things could be worse. The pessimist said, things will get worse. Jesus Christ came along seeing the man in the pit reached down, took him by the hand, and lifted him out. Somebody say, that's hope. That's hope. I know that was a little kind of humorous way of looking at things, but that's the way the world is looking at it. I'm in a pit. I'm in a problem. I'm in a situation. And they've got all these different answers, all these different streams coming to them, saying this and saying that. When Jesus said, I just want to reach and pick you out of that. The world promises us freedom and liberty if we just have enough stuff, if we just have enough money, if we have just enough fame, if we have just enough status, if, if we got just... I want to share with you the story of a super sports star <coughs> who said, I remember winning the Super Bowl that year, and that night after the game, I was the first one out of the locker room, the first one to the press conference, the first one to go home. And I remember my wife saying to me, to go to, and he said, nah, rolled over and went to sleep. He said it was the same week he bought himself his first $275,000 Lamborghini. He said, I hadn't even driven it one, one mile before I realized, no, 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 that's not the one. 
that's not what I'm looking for. It's got to be something else. He said, I'm so hungry. At the height of his career, at the pinnacle of his success, he should have all the, 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 the thoughts of life, and I'm living a man. My life is good. My life is hopeful, but he doesn't have that. Mr. Webster says that hope implies little certainty. Hope, now, this is Webster's definition. Confidence or assurance in the possibility that one desires or longs for something to happen. Hope, as the world typically defines it, is a desire for some future thing that we have an uncertain feeling of attaining. We find that there were so-called in the ancient world thinkers, secular thinkers, who did not regard hope as a virtue, but merely as a temporary illusion. Temporary. No wonder people are messed up. Amen. They're winning Super Bowls and don't feel hope. They're taking drugs and they don't feel hope. They're in their life of misery and don't feel hope. Historians tell us that a great cloud of hopelessness covered the ancient world. Philosophers were empty. Traditions were disappointing. Religions were powerless to help men face either life or death. People longed to pierce the veil and get some message of hope from the other side, but there was none. The Romans' uh, leading intellectual figure, uh, Seneca, said, he said of this, uh, he said that he defined hope as an uncertain good. An uncertain good. That's the kind of hope the world is, is hanging on to. Isn't that hollow? Like I'm reaching out here and it's a vapor. Let's look at Romans 15 and 13 again. Now the God of hope. The God of hope. The God of hope brings the hope of God. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. There is a vast difference between this culture's hollow hope and the hope that comes from God. Mr. John Blanchard's definition of the, this hope is, he says, biblical hope is shorthand for an unconditional certainty. Biblical hope is shorthand for unconditional certainty. It's not a vapor. It's not, I, I hope so, I wish so. It's a certainty. It's an absolute fact. If I may, let me read this from the, the pen of Chuck Swindoll when he's talking about hope. He says, hope is something as important as water is to a fish, as vital as electricity is to a light bulb, as essential as air to a jet plane. Hope is basic to life. Without that needed spark of hope, we are doomed to dark, grim existence. How often the world or how often the word hopeless appears in suicide notes. And even if it isn't actually written, we can read it between the lines. Take away our hope, and our world is reduced to something between depression and despair. 
Hope is more, he says, than wishful thinking. He said hope is a vital necessity of life, a gift that God wants to give to you. And in a world that regularly writes dreams off as foolish and drains the hope from the heart with dark pessimism, he says biblical hope is a voice crying in the wilderness, a word of enthusiasm for life in the midst of any difficult situation you are in. If you want to smile through your tears, if you want to rejoice through your times of suffering, just keep reminding yourself that what you're going through isn't the end of your story. It is simply the rough journey that leads to the right destination. Solid, stable, sure, hope. Hope, press on. Hope to endure. Hope to stay focused. Hope to see your dream fulfilled. Unquote. Another atheist by the name of Jean-Paul Sartre, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name, but he declared shortly before his death, he made this statement. He was so strongly resisting the feeling of despair when he was dying, he convinced himself by saying, I know I shall die in hope. He said that, then he paused, and in profound sadness he added, but hope needs a foundation. On his deathbed, an atheist said, I I believe that there's a possibility of hope when I die. He said, but If you're going to have hope, you've got to have a foundation. How profound was that statement? Amen. Because hope is not something you create within yourself. Hope is God-given. Hope is not something that you put together this particular part of your life and that particular part of the life and that bank account and this situation and that health and that and you put these pieces of the puzzle together and that you have hope that you have shaped and you've formed but hope is a gift that comes from God G. Campbell Morgan tells of the story of a man whose shop had burned in the great Chicago fire he arrived at the ruins the next morning carrying a table which he set up in the charred remains of his store. And upon that table, he placed a sign. Everything lost except wife, children, and hope. Would to God there'd be somebody that says, you know what, my life is uh, maybe messed up. I've gone through situations, uh, but I'm going to put me up a table over here in the charred rubble of my problem, and I'm going to make sure that everybody knows I might have this loss, I might have had that lost, uh, everything gone except, amen, but I have hope, 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 hope. It's a word that you can look at life and say, I'm not going to be in despair, but I'm going to look into my Savior and I'm going to trust him. Hallelujah. I'm going to trust him. He's my hope. Again, the atheist on his deathbed said, hope has to have a foundation. Well, I have that foundation for you. It's in the word of God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. That by two 
unchangeable, immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Somebody ought to take that in your Bible and underline that. Highlight. It's impossible for God to lie. Now, it's quite possible that he'll do something different than you think or even that you pray. But it is impossible for him to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor, the foundation, if you please, of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Hallelujah. Let me just say that right. I'm going to kind of start at the bottom or the last part of that verse. The reason I have hope is because there is an empty tomb. Because my Savior lives, I have hope. Because he is not here, he is risen. I have hope. Amen. And do you not think of all of the attacks that have gone against Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that there would be all the evidence they could find to try to disprove the resurrection? But I want to tell you, they haven't been able to do it, both intellectually, scientifically, Archaeologists cannot do it. They can't find his bones. They found the bones of this one and that one, but they can't find the because he's not there. He is risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. Therefore, I have, that's what I'm anchored to. Beyond the veil, that's what my hope is, is, is hooked on. I've got an anchor, but you know, there's some folks that put their anchor in all kinds of stuff. My anchor is on the rock, Christ Jesus, the solid rock of his resurrection. I know that my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. Whatever you're facing, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that can trump that. Death is bad, but my Redeemer lives. That's the foundation. What God promised in his word what he vowed and swore he cannot change. What he promised in his word, what he swore with an oath, he cannot change. Let's look at a couple background verses for that. Isaiah 55 and 11. The Lord said, So my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, and, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Can I just tell you today, the greatest anchor you have is the word of God. Your hope has got to be in the bedrock of the word of God. Amen. There's a lot of people today that can't, they can tell you about who scored how many touchdowns last weekend in their fantasy league. They can, they can tell you about all, all the baseball players and the basketball players, and they can tell you about where to find this and what to know about that or this historical thing and that. But I want to say that does not bring you one ounce of security if your hope is tethered to that. But if you know the word and can get the word in inside of you hallelujah he said he'd never leave me or forsake me pull on that amen he said he'd never leave me or forsake me I'm gonna pull on that he said that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world I'm gonna pull on that hallelujah it's the word he said I'm gonna send it out and it's gonna do the thing that I 
sent it to do. Joshua 23 and 14 said, And behold, this day I am going the way of all, all earth. Ye know in all your hearts and in your, all your souls that not one thing hath failed of the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. We just happen to sometimes just get the piece of the puzzle put in the wrong place. When I was 13 years old, I had a preacher in a conference prophesy on me and said I would be pre preaching in Europe. 30 years later, when I was standing in, 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 a, in a pulpit in Ireland, it come back to me. Don't put God in a box when he gives you something, but he will, he will bring it to pass. It may not look like you think it ought to look and, and conceived in your mind, but when you stand back after it, you'll say, oh, that's how you did that, God. That's how you, you were still God. You still did what you said you was going to do. Moses said, God's not a man. Somebody say, thank the Lord. That he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Amen. He said it, will he not do it? He said it, will he not do it? He's spoken it, will he not make good on that word? Hallelujah. Samuel said the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind. For he is not a man that he should, our God's not fickled. He's not going to just, one day you're pulling on hope and it breaks. Or another day it's there secure. He doesn't change. Hope is sure when you have the right foundation. Look at Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6. Look at this. Let's break it down a little bit. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing, the hope firm unto the end. Can I ask you, can Jesus Christ undo the sonship? Can he, will he undo what he has already done? For God so loved the world that he gave his only. Somebody say it. Will he? No, that's his plan. He came for that purpose. To be the son of God incarnate on, on this earth. Right? So. Christ is over his house. Who's his house? It's the church. The Bible speaks about that he has redeemed us, that the church has been purchased, amen, by the blood of the Lord. And he made that purchase. And he said, this is my house. Is, is God going to renege on his purchase? Take us back to the return table? I think there might be some that went back, but not the church, his house. So he's saying, just as sure as Christ came, that's your anchor. Just as sure as he has redeemed his house, that's your anchor. Upon this rock, he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. See, see, it's not about emotion. Hope is not about emotion. Hope is not about a feeling. Hope is about a confidence. Hold fast, he said, firmly. Securely, the confidence, 
The confidence, that word is interpreted boldness. It is the trait of being willing to undertake activities that involve risk or danger. Why are you getting involved in that? Why are you stepping out by faith? Aren't you crazy? Aren't you? You know what? I've got a confidence. I've got an assurance here. God's going to be with me even though the future looks unsettled and uncertain. I'm going to step out by faith. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I look, I look, some of y'all just blow me away with your faith and your, your confidence in God and, 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 and starting new things, stepping out by faith, doing things that looks like it's ridiculous and foolish, and people say that, don't do that. It's, it's, it's risky. But you don't know what my anchor's hooked to. It's an interesting word, this confidence. It, 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 as one particular uh, Greek scholar broke it down, it means without ambiguity ambiguity, or without using a lot of words. I'm going to use this. My, this is my definition. Without using a lot of words when just a few would do. You ever been around somebody that was so insecure that they just talked, talk, 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 and you wanted to say, you don't even believe what you're saying. This word confidence means without the use of figure of speech and comparison, it's free and fearless, confident, courageous. Hallelujah. When you have hope and you have that anchor firmly set, you will be courageous in like God's got this I don't know what the outcome's going to be but God has got this even when I don't understand God has got this this is a better hope that I'm preaching about and teaching about tonight hallelujah then he says uh, that we are to have the rejoicing rejoicing that's that's a high degree of confidence there if you're rejoicing in hope and confident in expectation amen as the the strongs breaks down hope this word hope ellipsis it means a looking forward to in confident expectation it is what is hoped for and the basis of that hope Can I say that again? This hope, unlike the world's hope, is what is hoped for and what is the basis of that hope. It is both the cause and the effect. Hope is both the expectation and the foundation. Praise be to God. That's why it's a spiritual hope. It is not a carnal hope. It's not like I wish, I'm thinking, maybe it, Possibly, but it's hope firm unto the end. Hallelujah. You can, you can hold on it until the end. Don't give up just short of uh, what God has for you. Do you know today that, that, that it, this is unscientific poll, this is just my opinion, but you look at the vast majority of atheists today, the vast majority of people that have walked away from God did so because they got hurt. And they didn't hold on to hope one more day. Just one more day. 
Just one more day. My God's got this. One more day. I'm going to get up in the morning. God's got this tomorrow. Amen. I'm not talking about my feeling because feeling is what man does. I'm hoping because God said I'm going to have that. And my hope is not just an inanimate thought. It is rather Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 and 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, hope is not some idea. It is God in you. It is both the foundation and the expectation. It is going to be a realization one of these days. Keep your hope unto the end. <coughs> Look at Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 11. Everybody say unto the end. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to full assurance of hope unto the end. Full assurance. Completely carrying it out. Completely carrying it out. Full assurance is an interesting expression. It means the sail on a ship having wind. It is to be under full sail. It means that a believer is moving along under the breath of God. My assurance is not the news. It's not the election. Hallelujah. It is not what's going on monetarily. It's nothing. My assurance is the breath of God in my sails. That's hope. That's hope. Because when your world falls apart... And things don't go like you think they ought to do. What's set in your cells? What is set in your cells? All right. Let's go to point number four, a better hope. Somebody say, I have a better hope. For the law made nothing perfect. The law in itself makes nothing perfect. Even today, the Israelites are trying and still try to follow the law, and they can't do it. But, he said, the bringing in of a better hope did. The law couldn't do it, but a better hope came along, and that better hope brought a certainty, not just for the Jews now, but for whosoever will, for the Gentile, for every race, creed, or color, Hey man, what the Jews could not do and what the world cannot do because the law made nothing perfect, there was a better hope that come along. And that better hope gives an absolute assurance of a future good. Why is it a better hope? Because of Calvary. Why is it a better hope? Because of the empty tomb we mentioned a while ago. It's a better hope because of the upper room. This hope is filled with expectancy even when there is an uh, appearance of hopelessness. Even when you're facing hopelessness, there is a hope that you can hold on to. Even when everything falls apart, there is a hope you can hold on to. Somebody say, I want that. Because it's a better hope. <clears throat> the exciting thing about this hope is that it reaches over to the empty tomb, the resurrection, and then it reaches us all the way to the day 
we see him face to face. I want our young folks to understand your hope is not in this life only. Mm, Paul said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Hallelujah. I don't want to just only sing about tomorrow and the rapture and the coming of the Lord. There are some people that's all they're living in. They don't even know how to live in the here and now. If God wanted us to go there, we would all be gone. For some reason, we're here. And the reason that we're here is that we can have hope in this place now because of what happened at Calvary and what's going to happen in the future when we see him face to face. Hope, hope lives beyond this present life, but it also lives in this life. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, this great familiar definition. People use this to define faith. But I want to show you the partnership between faith and hope. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope expects what faith believes. Hope expects what faith believes. Not only what faith believes, but what faith confesses. Hope expects what faith confesses therefore faith and hope are inseparable and they work in tandem like two rails that the train runs on hope is the bold confidence that was born in a belief or in faith and it begins to say I believe but I'm also now looking for it I'm expecting it. I believe and now I have an expectation inside of me that that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. All right. Let's, let's look at this ultimate hope in your destiny. The ultimate hope in your destiny. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying, underline that, that denying ungodliness and worldliness, we should live, underline that, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking, underline looking, for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, purifying unto himself a peculiar people or a special people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority that no man despise thee. I want to draw out those three words to your attention. They are, I believe, the three lines of discipleship here. Number one is denying. First of all, we learn how to live a disciple life, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live. Hope is about Denying and separating, but it is also about living. Living. Somebody say, I can live in the now. I'm not just living for tomorrow. Amen. But while I'm living, I'm also looking. Denying, living, looking. That means I'm, I'm making sure that I'm in tune with my Lord through denying. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping myself separate from the things that are ungodly. 
And grace is teaching me that. It's teaching me the, the, how, to, how to move myself away from worldly lust. So I'm denying, but then I'm living in this moment. I'm living in the here and now. Hope is, is a part of denying, yes, but it's a part of living now. You can have hope now, but that's not all you've got because you also have a hope that's looking looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. I realize that there will be a debate over exactly what this is talking about. What is this glorious appearing? Some think it's the rapture. Very well could be. Others think it's the return of Christ after the tribulation. Others think other thing. I want to tell you, anytime God shows up, hope is realized. Anytime he shows up, whenever he appears, amen, I've seen him appear in my life where there would be problems and issues, and he shows up. All of a sudden, that's a blessed hope. That's a better hope. The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. But one of these days, I plan on seeing him face to face. One of these days, I want to see him as he is. One of these days, these eyes are going to change from mortal to immortal, and I'm going to be able to see him as he is. Now I feel him by faith, and now I know he's here by faith. But one of these days, because I have a hope, I have a hope, I'm going to see him face to face. Let's wrap up with this verse. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Remember where he's tethered? Remember where that anchor is at? It's in the resurrection of the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Somebody say this is a better hope. This, this, is, this is a better hope. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations or, or manifold tests, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perished, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory in the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. One of these days, as the song says, my faith will end in sight. One of these days, no longer will I have to hope because my hope will end in sight. Can I just tell you that your hope for now is connected to your hope for eternity? Denying, living, looking. That's where my hope is in. Denying things, just turning away from the things of this world. Turning away from the things that, that, that want to keep me from my hope. And then I'm living in this moment, at this time, because I'm looking. One of these days, he's coming back again. Jesus is coming again. 
That's another thing he said. He can't lie. He said he's coming back. And just like he said he would. Hallelujah, it's going to happen. I have hope. I have hope. It's a beautiful hope. Will you stand with us, please? Praise be to God. Can you just thank the Lord today for this better hope? It's not a hope based on laws and regulations and oblations. It's not based upon sacraments. It's not based upon that. But those things showed us the way to the truth of the gospel, that he is our ultimate sacrifice, that Jesus Christ is our ultimate redemption. Hallelujah, Lord. I praise you today. I thank you, God. Lord, for you are able, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I give you praise. You are so awesome, God. You are so awesome, God. Hallelujah. I can get up in the morning when I even feel bad because I got hope. Hallelujah. I can face my tomorrow and the dilemmas that may be there because I have a better hope. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.